Ruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem Berachnitam V'Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. We try to meet weekly. Yidon Lishma Sefirayim Ben Yom Chanen Yom Teflipa Shmuel Yaakov Ben Meishe Jeanette Bas Ibrahim Akoyen Aleyem Shalom. Pashas Kisisa Shushan Purim Katan <coughs> Purim Katan Shushan Purim Katan Katan Small I don't know. Welcome, Atlanta. I think I lost everybody else, though. This is very mind-boggling. Yeah, I lost everybody else. Hold on a second, Atlanta. Okay, I'm trying to add everybody else now. Tev Leiv Mishter Tamid as the Shachanarach finishes off that way telling us even on Purim Katan we need to be we need to drink we need to add something and both Purim Katan and Shushan Purim Katan we don't say Tachlan we keep a lot of the customs we don't do Shalak Mashlach Manas we don't lay in Megillah. If somebody decided to lay in Megillah instead of Purim Gadol, in the second other one, when it's a leap year, he decides to read it in Purim Gadol, Purim Katan instead of Purim Gadol, he is not Yaitza, he does not fulfill his obligation, and therefore would need to read again on Purim Gadol, which would be in other Shani. Of course, with the Bracha. Even if you made a Bracha on Purim Gadol. Purim Katan. <clears throat> the significance of Purim Katan, though, gives us a an idea of how we have to really, really serve Hashem. Ivdu es Hashem b'simcha. We need to serve Hashem b'simcha with joy, with happiness. When it comes to Chaydish Adar, Mishinichnas Adar, Marm B'Simcha, the month of Adar comes in, we add Simcha. We don't just add a little bit and then we settle, we're satisfied. Mishinichnas Adar, Marm B'Simcha means the entire month of Adar, we are constantly adding Simcha. 
And we've spoken about this many, many a time. This overflows into Chedesh Nisan as well. Where even in Chedesh Nisan, the next month on the Hebrew calendar, we're still adding. We'll discuss Hashem in tonight's year what the Simcha of Yom Tev is, what is the difference, Simcha Yom Tev, Simcha Shabbos, how is Simcha Shabbos more than Simcha Yom Tev? I'm going to jump today a little bit and start with the sheer something I've never done I don't think but always the first I'm going to start the sheer with the Haftarah the Haftarah of Pasha's Kisisa the episode I'm not going to say a story Episode in Melochim Aleph, Kings 1, Chapter 18. And in verse 21, Eliyahu Anavi, the prophet Elijah, turns to the ones that served the Baal, the idol worship called Baal. And he doesn't tell them, stop serving idols. He says, How long will you dance on two sides of the fence? That would not be the actual literal translation, but it's one that we would understand liturgically or grammatically, shall we say. The prophets of Baal confronted Elio, actually confronted the Jewish nation and tried very hard on the second mountain one over from where the Holy Temple was to try to win over and to win over the Jewish nation to their practice. And Elio cries out to them, How long will you dance on both sides? If God is your God, go after him vim habal but if the bal is go after him why two sides of the fence according to the wording of Eliyahu Anavi according to the wording of the prophet the sin is much more severe the dancing on the two sides of the fence than just serving idol worship itself. Why? 
in essence, they were dancing two sides, yes. They were dancing the side of God, saying that God is God, and they also said that the Baal was God. And this practice, Elijah the prophet attacked more than just if they were only serving the Baal itself. He said, choose one. Don't dance on two sides. In Hilchas Avedis Kachovim, Perek Aleph, Halacha Aleph, the Rambam explains. The actual essence of idol worship is a misconception. A misconception. People think <clears throat> HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty appointed different creations the stars, the moon the sun the different mazolis and these things in essence have some kind of influence on the world Hence, we need to honor them. We need to serve them in order to merit whatever they have to offer. Idol worship comes from where a person looks for different sources. And then feeble-minded feel that the stars and the mazolas have their strength, have their own choice, and they have their own influence on the world. And therefore he serves the stars and the mazolas, and he goes according to the, um, whatever it's called, the horoscope, whatever it's called, from one thing to the other. And this is very, very important because there are many people that go according to this, and they would say what their sign is. I was born in this month, I was born in this month, and my sign is such, my sign is such. One may not say this. I've told the story probably a million times. The fellow that falls off the cliff, and he's dangling, holding on to a branch, and he's looking down at a 10,000 foot drop. And he looks up to heaven and says, God in heaven, master of the world, please save me. And he hears a heavenly voice. God Almighty answers him. And God says, do you believe in me? And he says, yes, Almighty, I believe in you. Do you have complete faith in me? He says, I have complete faith in you, God Almighty. So God Almighty says, leave go of the branch. Man looks down again at the 10,000 foot drop, looks back up to heaven and says, anybody else up there can help me? This is a misconception where a person actually could think 
Is there anybody else up there? There is HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Ein Eid Milvadai. There is no other. The Almighty God is the one and only. We see from here the difference between the person that believes only in idol worship and one that dances on two sides of the fence. The one that worships idols goes to a house of worship of an idol. Like our father Abraham at the age of three, he too will ultimately recognize, maybe at the age of 30, 40 or 50, talking to stones. I'm talking to stones because the proof is they can't, one can't help the other one. I'm talking to stones because the proof is they don't really eat, they don't drink, they don't use a facility, they don't do anything. They don't talk either, for that matter. And if they are talking, it's because they're smoking something. Or snorting something. And ultimately, the person comes to the seichel, comes to the conclusion, it's a stone, it's a piece of wood, it's nothing. And therefore, if I need to turn somewhere, if I need to understand who created the world and who runs the world, Hashem, who Ha'aleikim, God is the one. And therefore, once they come to that realization, they repent completely. Whereas the person that's dancing on the two sides of the fence, He doesn't really see his sin. He doesn't find the sin in what he's doing. I'm doing, I'm putting on film. I'm even going to shul probably. I'm even keeping Shabbos perhaps. I just have on the side my extracurricular blessings that I seek. I seek a blessing from the star, I seek a blessing from the moon, I seek a blessing from the who knows what upstairs. But in essence, I'm a good Jew. You can come to my uh, prayers, and you know what, hey, probably eat in my house too. I keep Shabbos, I keep kosher. So what's what's the issue? He doesn't see him doing anything wrong. He doesn't have a problem with what he's doing. And he doesn't think anybody else does either. Result of which, I could do this. 
I can make it through this. I can live this. I can exist this way. The David of Yitzhak is the one that serves idol worship. Even though he believes in Baal, it's possible, it's possible that he could say, that we could say, in merit, on his behalf, that the truth, he, he sees the truth. But he has this one little mistake. The source of the world. And therefore he... Uh, he attaches himself elsewhere. The truth is, and the spirituality is close to him. Only thing is, he channels it in a different direction. And therefore, and therefore, He finds himself in this loss that he can never come back because he never finds, he doesn't lack any, anything. Even more so, and worse, the influence that that person has on the outside. When he reaches out and he says, the person that's serving of it is out of the missionary that comes and says, J for J, people give him a flick on the nose and they say, get lost. People know, uh oh, missionaries don't open the door. The Pesach Alashnei the fellow dancing on both sides shows up in a Zayd and a Zupitze, in a cloak. In the silk cloak, with a beautiful, long, big-brimmed hat or furry hat, with a beard, and people say, "Hey, this is a nice guy." And they don't, and they're not aware of his idol worship that he does on the side. Hence, he's able to misconceive people people get a misconception and people are trapped people are attracted people don't realize how they have to stay away from such a person I don't know, I have a feeling there I am. Okay. You didn't tell me I wasn't on camera. Sorry about that. Therefore the prophet Elijah calls out, How long are you going to dance this dance? 
the fact that you're on both sides, you're lacking so much. Your fundamentals are lacking. And this is even stronger, this is even worse than if you only served the Vedasara itself. So in our days as well, we need to be very, very, very careful. For those people that dance on two sides. They present themselves with a beautiful Shabbos Chala. They present themselves with a gorgeous candelabra. But deep down, deep down, the opposite of which they have in the, within their hearts, and therefore, by dancing on two sides of the fence, the person is more dangerous. than we imagine. The person themselves are in more danger than they imagine. When one believes only in one God, and one surrounds themselves with an Eichi, only then can they overcome the severity and the evil that presents itself from the outside elements. Now we can return to the regular scheduled program. We're not going to have a word from our sponsor. Although if you go on the site, this site is sponsored now by Grand Prix Auto. So if you're gonna, you need to lease a car, even in Atlanta, Georgia, or um, or Scranton, Pennsylvania, etc. Florida, take a chip. Okay, enough. Kisisa esreish bnei Israel. Lift up the heads of the Jews. Sounds like a beautiful title for a parsha, Kisisa. It sounds like it's going to be a beautiful ride. It's going to be a beautiful experience. And the Jewish nation is going to be glorified throughout this parsha. We're going to raise up the head of the Jewish nation. <laughs> and we get turned around. Surprise, surprise. This Pasha discusses the worst possible demise, the worst possible drop in spirituality, shall we say, that anyone could possibly do, much less a nation at large. Most of the Pasha talks about the sin of the golden calf.
in the olden days, they had a Magid. The Magid would come and lecture. He would go from town to town, this is how he made his living. And he would shoot fire and brimstone. And he would lecture the people of the town and inspire them to repent. Now, the Magid had a custom to speak before Musaf. They would daven shachris. They would read the Torah. I guess they would return the Torah to the Ark. And even if the town had its own rabbi, the Magid spoke first. When the Magid finished his speech of fire and brimstone and brought the people to tears and awoken their hearts. Then the rabbi would say his speech and they would daven musaf and go home make Yiddish. There was no Google calendar in these days. And therefore wasn't often time, but it happened sometimes, that more than one Magid came to a town on one given Shabbos. It's not as if the town had 15 shuls, the town had one big shul, and that's where the Magid always spoke. Well, this particular Shabbos, not two, not three, but ten Magidim showed up. Now they all sat on the western wall, of course, because they're such holy people, righteous, special people. They all knew that the rabbi was sitting here, maybe the president also, but there were chairs added, and the added chairs was obviously for the guest the guest rabbi, the guest Magid. Well, when they came up to the pulpit, they came up to the western wall of the shul, the eastern wall of the shul, sorry, Mizrach, came to the eastern wall of the shul, they each one brought their chair, and they were ten Magidim. But nobody cared that there were nine others each one had his speech to tell and to deliver, and he wouldn't back down. God forbid to miss any given words of wisdom, of his pearls of wisdom. So each one spoke his full speech. After delivering their full speech, they sat down very satisfied looking at the people, wiping their eyes, blowing their noses, seriously, into the video. And the next one got up. And so the third, and so the fourth, and the fifth. Each one delivered his speech of fire and brimstone. It was late afternoon. 
And the rabbi still had to do his speech. He gets paid for his Shabbos speech. Well, the rabbi understood his congregants. He knew himself how his stomach was growling. So he got up and he said, Today I had a question of my life answered. A question that's bothering me all my life I had answered. I always wondered, the Jews were in Egypt, and before they left, the Egyptians were smitten with ten plagues. Frogs, the blood, etc. I always wondered, why was there not a plague where all the Egyptians should have to sit down in an auditorium and listen to speeches from the Jews? Yet one Jew after the other deliver a speech. How much more torturous could it be? Today I had my question answered. Had we had to deliver such a plague to the Egyptians, we would still be in Egypt today, thousands of years later. Because everyone would want to deliver their full speech. Nobody would say, I'm only giving you five minutes. And seeing here today how each one got up and spoke his full and didn't look at the crowd and didn't look at himself or the other people, he said, I have to deliver mine. I realized that would be the truth. We would probably still be in Egypt today if we had such a plague. So Lemaise, we look at this Parsha. And the worst sin that the Jews could possibly have committed they commit in this week's... Oh, I'm sorry. If you want to know how that story got in here. Um, on Monday's Shabbos, Friday, Shabbos afternoon, Mincha, last Shabbos, Monday and Thursday, we read Kisisa. But it's very short, relatively. But on Shabbos afternoon, Mincha we get a big, big, big bonus, which we don't find out till Sunday morning. Because usually we read Shabbos, Monday and Thursday, till Shani. But this week, <laughs> we only read a small portion. And then Sunday morning, when we start saying Chitas, when we start saying Chumash and Rashi, from the beginning to Shani, we see it just doesn't end. And then Monday again. It goes on and on and on. Most of the parsha is taken up by the Kayan and the Levi. The first two Elias. Why are they taking up the whole portion? And the simple answer is because the beginning of the parsha talks about the Chet HaEgel, the sin of the golden calf. And Shevet Levi did not sin in that grievous sin. And therefore, we allow the Koyen and the Levi to be called up about for this whole story because they were not culpable for this at all.
So we see the majority part of the beginning of the, the parsha is talking about the sin of the ego. And then, the breaking of the tablets of the luches. Then Moshe goes and prays for 40 days. And then the second tablets. So the Maisa, the sin that's being brought down in the beginning of the Pasha, starts off with Nosnu Ish Kefer Nafshai. person gave for forgiveness for his soul. And the Medish explains, brought down in the Yerushalmi, that the giving of Machtsis HaShekel was to forgive for the sin of the golden calf. The giving of the, giving of the half a shekel that the Jews were obligated to give in the beginning of the parsha tells us about the giving of the machzah shekel. This half a shekel was atonement for the sin of the eagle, of the golden calf. That's wonderful. wonderful how does that fit in with the raising the raising up the great praise and the worthiness the great worthiness of the Jewish nation where does that come into the picture here where it talks about the biggest downfall of the Jews. A nation that just saw the revelation of God Himself by the sitting on Harsinai. A nation that experienced something that never, ever was or will be. A nation that saw the ultimate decree of what was above stays above and what was below stayed below. And the decree was nullified. And now God came down onto the world. This nation turned around and sinned with an idol. How much after? Several short weeks after. Forty days. Kisisa? This is where you're raising up the heads of the nation? Let us understand what is the raising of the heads? Kisisa is Sirish. We're not saying raise the nation's ego, raise the nation's popularity, their heads. The concept of a head is Seichel and Havana. Sense and understanding. Raising up such a level, such a concept is reaching the highest level of intellect. This is the wonder of our parsha. 
the greatness of the Pasha. Albeit, they went through the concept of the idol worship. This was above. As we spoke before about the different approaches. This was above their heads. This was not lifting up their brain. This is not enhancing their intellect. This was something that they did within themselves. The highest level of Reish is Emuna, belief. That's higher than Seichel and Das. Al-Trabbis explains in Tanya, Perikyutches. And Amunah starts with an Aleph. And Be'ez B'tachem and Gimel is Geula. And actually this Pasha in the year Tashin and Be'ez when the Rebbe discusses this Pasha he tells us about Aleph, Be'ez and Gimel throughout the Pasha. And the Aleph and the Be'ez are the Amunah is, is Anoichi. And the Be'ez is the second level that a person drops to and the Gimel brings down back to the Gula Amitas. This concept of Amuna, the simplest Jew can achieve. Not only achieve, but sacrifice their very lives for their Amuna, their belief in God. It's not natural. When one puts aside his seichel, his das, and he raises above this to the darga, to the level of emuna and Hashem. This obliterates any kind of contact or connection with idol worship. So what's the new thing here? How do we obliterate? How do we drive away idol worship through raising up the head itself to the level of Emuna? The Jew in the death march, on the death march, whether it was in Auschwitz or Dachau or Birkenau or any other one that we could possibly mention sang on the top of their lungs Animamin Bemuna Shalemo. I believe with complete belief that Mashiach is going to come and Hashem will save us. They smell the burning flesh from the furnaces. They saw the smoke rising, but they had complete belief in God. This is something that you cannot take away. This is something that we need to not just ascertain, not just achieve, but strive to accomplish. 
So Nesiyas Harish, the raising of the head is getting to the highest possible level, more than learning Torah, excuse me, more than Seichel in Torah. Because the person can still stand as a simple level of learning Torah. And this doesn't necessarily have a contradiction, as we said before, with idol worship. And therefore, if a person doesn't merit, then there is a possibility. Even to use Chas Shalom, it's the words of Teda itself, and to come up with a total different conclusion, as we spoke in the beginning, as we discussed the Haftera. But when the person rises up higher than Teda, higher than Seichel of Teda, he achieves the concept of Emunas Hashem, of belief, complete and total belief and faith in God. There is no place for even in allowing, in any which way, form or fashion, the concept of Avedizara. And therefore, in the beginning of the parasha, Kisisa Sresh B'nei Yisrael, is in order to be magdim the refuah for the makkah. To bring the medicine, the healing, before the illness comes about. The healing for God forbid, the cheta egel, the sin of the golden calf. What was the solution? What was the healing? Kisisa Sresh when you will raise up your head and you will achieve higher in a higher level than Seichel which is Emunah you don't fall into the trap of Avedizara an example person can see a difference between a Jew, a regular Jew, and a rabbi, a dayan, a judge. According to halacha, a Jew, a regular Jew, may not dabble, may not read, may not listen to any kind of idol worship, to any kind of, whether it be their songs, whether it be their hymns, whether it be their, their poems, whether it be their thoughts, whether it be their stories, may not look or listen to any of it. And unfortunately, it's such common practice. When the Rahman people watch today's day and age or in the olden days even, the movies, the theaters, and part of the movie ends up Rahman al-Tzlan in the house of worship, and the cross comes across in front of your face. Flashes. 
or during the movie they have a a song in the house of worship. This taints the person. And therefore the simple person may not involve in these things. But they also cannot read any of their scriptures. They cannot read anything about their religions. Whereas a Dayan, a complete and total devoted rabbi, a love, a true one, he, according to the Rambam, is obligated to know everything and every different practice and nuance that they do to avoid anything like that happening. Common. A common error. A common mistake. A horrible common mistake. Excuse me, for those who believe Rahman al-Sun in Ayin Hara, in the bad, an evil eye. Mm-hmm. When they do or say something, there becomes a concept of knock on wood. You say, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. This comes from originally knock on the wooden cross. And therefore, by doing such, one is Rahman al practically serving idols. And people are oblivious to it. And they're not obligated to study about it. Although I'm sure that Rabbi Google could probably tell a person where it comes from. But we don't... It's something that's so common... And people do it all the time, people talk about it all the time. From different cultures, from different backgrounds. Everybody knows about knock on wood, knock on wood, And it's literally idol worship. So the rabbis need to learn all these customs to know how to avoid them and how to teach people to avoid them. Whereas the rabbi, when he involves learning this, we're not worried, we're not concerned that he will be inspired by such teachings. So as we say, may it be, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should raise up immediately the heads of Reish B'nai Yisrael. Raise them up and bring them to through the Aleph, the beginning, the Anechi, and through the Beis, the breaking of the Luchais, and most importantly, the Gimel,
which the Ula Mitis Hashlema. Interesting how Moshe was taught the entire Torah. Almighty says to Moshe, thank you for breaking the first tablets. Why is he thanking him? Because the first tablets were limited, whereas the second included all different studies. So we actually needed the second ones in order to Survive. But there were so many things that Moshe was bewildered and perplexed with. Last week we discussed the perplexity of the Menorah. Moshe could not fathom how to build the Menorah. And we discussed how, why, and what. Sorry, that was two weeks ago. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him every Jew should give the half a shekel. And this is for forgiveness for the golden calf. A Jew wants to complete a mitzvah. They do just that. They want to complete a mitzvah. They want to do a full-fledged mitzvah. And not only that, but Jews like to do mitzvahs with a hidr, with something to enhance it. They don't want to buy the $30 restaurant. They want to buy the $300 restaurant. Not everybody has it in their budget, but everybody wants to have that $300 restaurant. Everybody looks at their $50, $60, $70 restaurant and enjoys it, and likes it, and it's clean, and it's beautiful. But I saw an Esrich. Wow! It was out of my budget. But people want to do mitzvahs. They want to do it in the best possible way. Shavuos. They want to make sure they eat every kind of cheesecake there is. They don't want to skip. <laughs> you can go to buy matzahs. You can buy the machine-made matzahs, which go 18 minutes and all the other things. And then you have the person that takes over a matzah bakery and takes his own water, makes the whole matzah bakery kosher again, as kosher as it is. He cashes everything. And he sees to it to find all different things that could make his matzahs even more kosher than everyone else. It's not cheaper. It ends up much, much more expensive. The person is, average person paying $22, $23 a pound, and this person is now paying $29, $30 a pound. $30, $35 a pound. Because that person wants to make sure everything is done 100%. And when you tell a person 
to do a mitzvah, they look to do the mitzvah properly. They look to put on tefillin that's proper. They don't look to buy the bargain dollar store pair of tefillin. They want to buy nice tefillin. Comes the tater and tells them, Machzis a shekel. Only half a shekel. This blows the Jews out of the water. That's so not me. Esrim geira ha shekel. The shekel is worth 20 geira. Machzis a shekel trumel Hashem. And a half you have to give. Twice the data tells us only a half. In order to let us know the exact amount, he says 20 gate are in a full. So, first question so tell us, give 10 gate. If a shekel is 20 gate and you want me to give half, Tell me, give ten geta. I'll feel much more, much more comfortable. I'll feel much more fulfilled. I gave the whole amount that you requested. When you tell me a half a shekel, you're not implying, you're not insinuating, you're downright telling me to my face only half. I'm not giving a complete, and nobody can change that. You could not change that amount. It was a half. Chazal tell us, the giving of a half a shekel was, like I said before, forgiveness for the sin of the golden calf. And therefore we see that half is required to rectify this sin. What happens when one serves idol worship? They separate themselves, Rahman al from God. This separation is the essence of the actual feelings, the severing of a person. It's telling the person, I now became my own entity, hence I severed myself from God. Hence, I do my own thing. Because God's not connected to me. Therefore, the fixing, the rectifying, the justifying, not justifying, the rectifying, the repairing of serving idols is recognition of the oneness with God. The God that envelops, that embraces in the entire creation. When a Jew involves himself in recognition that he is one with God, it's one thing. When he, God forbid, thinks that he's one on his own, then he has his problem. And therefore, the one needs to totally eradicate the thought of the Zarah. And this we see in Machtes HaShekel. The Torah tells the Jew, he's obligated to give a kofer nafshay, like Kaddish Baruch Hu, a redemption for his soul. 
And the Jew asks, how much am I worth? And it's the tailor, you, you're not worth anything. You're a half an entity. Therefore, I'm asking for you only a half a shekel. You don't have existence of your own. You're only attached with God Himself through the second half. Through your half a shekel and the connection to the other half, which is God, that becomes one. Then you become complete. This we can also learn what is the connection, how is it that we connect to God. A Jew and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are not two separate entities, God forbid, that get attached one to the other, but they're two halves of one whole. Only when a Jew is connected to God is he an entity of any kind. And this is therefore also the way the Pasha rolls. After Mesha asks Mechila, asks forgiveness from God, and to have pity on the Jews, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgives on the sin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, I am now making a pact. The custom of the cutting of the bris is to take an entire thing and to make it separate, make it two entities, as we see by the bris ben Absarim. And therefore also the Jews are called Kaysar Bris, the ones have cut the bris. Even though they are two separate people, they are not two halves that become one whole. And this is the depth of what we're talking about when we say Krisas Habris. Between the Jews and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The mitzvah of Machsa Shekel, the Jew and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are not two separate entities, Chas But they are two halves together. And therefore they make one entity. And this is the unity between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Zayah says, Israel, the Kutchabrichu, Kulachad, they're all one. And therefore we strive to do just that, to become one with God, and to dissipate the concept of half, but to accept the fact that we're only half, as long as we are not attached to God, we are not anything at all. May we all be attached once and all for all to God and may our heads be raised up to the level of Emunah Shlema and then to Bitochin and to Geula Amitus Vashlema and find ourselves in Yerushalayim, Yerat Kodesh, Vayakhel, Moshe as all gather again together in Yerushalayim, the Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all.